Hello, welcome to The Great Idea, where we talk about creative campaigns that have caught our attention over the past couple of weeks. What have we got today, Topes? We've got pints, shoes, and also Shaps, aka James Shapland, coming right up. Uh, we've got Shaps here, James Shapland. Uh, thank you so much for joining Shaps. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Delighted to be here. Um, yeah, so I work on the corporate side of PR, so a um, little bit of a different perspective, but I'm always keen to talk about creative campaigns. I work at Edelman, um, have done for a number of years, uh, focusing a lot on media from a corporate perspective, um, kind of done some experiential and creative stuff as well, particularly with Formula One, um, worked with them a lot and uh, actually did the London campaign in Trafalgar Square, which was a lot of fun. So um, I do always look at things through as much of a creative lens as my boss will allow me. So. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Cool. Well, great to have you here. Tobes, you've got our first campaign that we're going to talk about. Yeah, the first one is a big one. Um, Carlsberg were famously their, well their, their famous slogan was probably the best beer in the world um, and over the last couple of weeks they have reneged on that um, they've said they're probably not now the best beer in the world and have completely rebranded um, to being a Danish pilsner um, but I think the way that they did this whole rebrand was massively interesting so it started with promoting some outrageous tweets about how Carlsberg tastes so gross it's like um, stale breadsticks or my pint of Carlsberg tastes like naan bread uh, just loads of um, really gross stuff I think cat's piss and also the bathwater that my nan died in were other mm. like outrageous tweets that were promoted um, to start teasing that Carlsberg were up to something uh, before they unleashed a video which was kind of in the Jimmy Kimmel vein of um, Carlsberg employees reading out mean tweets about the beer um, and then finally revealing this new poster saying that um, basically they've realised that previously they were maybe going quantity over quality, maybe going to be um, focusing on being the cheapest beer rather than the best one uh, and it was time that they changed so they released, released these probably not the best beer in the world assets um, and have, as well as a complete taste change come forward with a complete brand change um what did you guys think did you see it um do you think it's punchy uh yes so i do remember seeing the tweets for the first time i think it was the carlsberg tastes like stale breadsticks and seeing it was promoted and was like that's bizarre <laughs> and then like just trying to find some stuff around it so that was good in terms of it definitely i think like, it was a very clever um, kind of way of capturing kind of peaking curiosity early on um, I think it's really brave I think it's very easy for brands to kind of cop out a bit and say oh well you know we've always we've always done our best but now we're putting even more into mm. it on our recipes even better you know I think it's quite brave to go actually no it was a bit crap so we've kind of started again um, you know everyone knew that Carlsberg wasn't close to being the best beer in the world but you know it, it uh i think just kind of given its price point um and and all that kind of stuff no one everyone was kind of okay with that so i think it is quite brave just to come out and say you know what it wasn't good enough uh so we've completely changed yeah absolutely i agree um i think a lot of the 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 beers at the lower end of the market try a lot of um, of these kind of tactics you get uh, the likes of fosters coming out with kind of different slightly different versions of their own beer um and carlsberg did it themselves with export 
but actually I think this is a very clever and very new way to approach it um, and to really kind of engage an, an audience that wouldn't usually consume the beer so yeah I think it's really clever and obviously the, the tweets were great um, interesting they don't they weren't very active on Twitter before this I don't think they weren't a hugely like social which I think again is a, a demonstration of the fact that the brand was moving on and kind of engaging in a different way so yeah I really liked it there's definitely a trend for high quality craft beer, isn't there? I don't know whether mm. that's just Londoners or whether that's countrywide, but it's not really good enough to make shit beer anymore. Uh, people are chasing quality, like Carl Ling have just done that video about best of British and um, going back to Burton. So it's interesting that um, Carlsbergs have decided that their way of doing this is to say that their previous beer was shit, so we're going to mm. make good stuff now. Yeah. What well, another interesting thought I've actually just had is I remember I went to an event. Mm maybe six months ago and one of the guys speaking there was one of Carlsberg UK's kind of brand managers marketing managers and I remember it was really interesting and he was talking about so Carlsberg um, do loads of sponsorship loads of festivals loads of experiential stuff like that like you know there's very um, I think almost every major festival serves Carlsberg yeah. you know from Reading to Latitude all that kind of stuff uh, so and I remember him saying that um, you know, one of the big things they go for is is really they want they want people to associate Carlsberg with having great times with their mates and seeing bands that they like and you know kind of general happy times and I think it it was tends to be export he said that was served so I, I what maybe something kind of to think about is is if you know maybe they've had a bit of pushback from from some of those kind of festivals that they're working with maybe saying look you know what actually. Carlsberg at the moment isn't isn't working for us and you know maybe that's forced them to have a rethink I don't know I'm purely speculating but it just kind of that a thought just occurred to me actually and I don't know if that had anything to do with it definitely I think um particularly on that festival scene as well I mean um if people have the option of a, of a better of being able to buy a better colder beer that hasn't been sat in their tent all, all weekend they're definitely going to go for it but maybe the sales wouldn't be as high because it's Carlsberg and the association it has um and you know they've got along with the festival they've got the football market down I mean every football ground you go to pretty much other than your fancy Spurs stadium I'm sure <laughs> <laughs> they um, are, are serving are serving Carlsberg so they did you know that association with good time really does resonate I think and that's it's, it's an interesting point so I'm sure that the rebrand will kind of go towards doing that and it'll be interesting to see how their comms develops now that they've done the initial kind of big bang uh, Jimmy Kimmel tweets um how they move it on to kind of really get into that good times with with Carlsberg. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I basically think it's cool that they were in they're in a unique position for mainstream beers to try and for the first time position themselves as way more um, high end. They're all racing to the top because of this craft beer moment that's happening mm. in beer right now. Mm. But that gives them the opportunity to have a completely unique PR strategy and campaign idea where they decide to refer to their previous brand positioning as crap yeah. and and do something completely different. That's a fun thing to be able to watch in comms. Um, but Shaps, you were saying that might be based on export. Yeah, absolutely. I, so I, I actually read as part of this story that um, export, obviously, which they released uh, quite a while ago now as, as a kind of as, as a better quality version of Carlsberg, it actually performs incredibly well. Um, in blind taste testing so it's it's quite it's uh, alongside both its market but also higher end lagers it performs very well but its sales don't reflect that because of the association with Carlsberg and I think that goes back to my previous point of just putting out another version of uh, of Carlsberg or another version of Carling or, or, or Foster's I just don't think 
quite cuts the mustard. And I think this is a very clever way, even if the beer, I haven't tasted it yet, it might still taste like shit. But um, <laughs> even if it doesn't, even if it, even if it does taste like shit, um, it's a creative, cool way to kind of get the headlines and, and really get people talking about Carlsberg again um, in this context. So yeah, I think it's um, it's bold and it is brave, but I think they knew full well that the the conversation around Carlsberg was that it wasn't good. Um, so I think that doing what they did was, while yes, risky, um, it, it tapped into the conversation that already existed. And, and as we know, the, the best comms campaigns do that. So yeah, really impressed. Yeah, absolutely. And we were saying the, the coverage outside of all the, the industry stuff was really, really good. Sky News, Independent, um, Telegraph, like it was so wide. And as a result, they've got so many people talking about it before. I mean, I haven't seen anything properly above the line in terms of TV yet. No, that's in May, I think, yeah. this month. So, yeah, so, you know, they've, they've kind of that, the campaign's already worked so hard um, for what, you know, is presumably not a huge amount of spend on the stuff they've no. done so far. Uh, and as you said, it's already been talked about. And, you know, we talked about this before. For me, would I, as someone who would usually never, ever order a pint of Carlsberg, would I consider ordering a pint of Carlsberg to try it out? Yes, I probably would. <laughs> yeah, and I think I agree. if that's yeah. the case, then you've, you've probably job done, I think. And on the coverage point, I mean, we talked about the Carling UK campaign. I mean, that wouldn't... I'm, I'm, I have no doubt that that would have got absolutely nowhere near the pickup that this has. Um, that was just seen as another branding campaign that just didn't get didn't get the attention of people who beyond that industry and people who care. And, and as you say, the coverage has been really impressive. Like KFT, if you slag yourself off, if you admit fault, <laughs> yeah. gets you press. People are going to do that more and more. Mm, but yeah. this is like a whole brand positioning rather than just like, um, set our oh, chips are shit. Or like, yeah. whoops, we made yeah. a mistake in an advert. This is like, <laughs> we are actively bad. We're well, making mm. it better. The only thing now is to make sure the beer actually isn't crap now. Because yeah, <laughs> they all look very silly yeah, indeed. It's, it's got to be better. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So I think all round, we, 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 we like that one, I think. Thumbs up, yeah. Great. 100%. Tough to copy though. Yeah, sure. Damn. <laughs> Where yeah. you go from here, I don't know, yeah. So, Shaps, you've got something for us. Yes, absolutely. So, um, again, kind of bringing a little bit of a corporate lens um, onto this, um, I spotted this uh, Adidas campaign um, called Futurecraft Loop. And essentially, the brand have created the first performance running shoe and to be honest, more broadly, um, the first apparel product, I would say, that is designed for a fully circular life cycle. Um, so in a long-term plan, which they make clear in their campaign to avoid excess rubbish, Adidas is actually reconfiguring its factories to produce shoes that be- can be ground into pellets and then melted down and made into entirely new running trainers. So the, the, the science behind it, I suppose, is that they rather than using, I think it was 12 plastics normally in a, in a trainer so 12 different types of plastic go into an Adidas trainer this is entirely made from something called thermoplastic polyurethane or TPU uh, which basically when it when you come to throwing it away the idea of this is that it can be fully reassembled recycled into a new running shoe um, it's currently in pilot phase um, which again they make clear in their campaign but with a, an aim for mass launch at a competitive retail price uh, by the summer of 2021. So um, 
I think in principle, there's no argument that circularity and, and looking out for the environment is, is, is a good thing, but, and it's incredibly relevant, um, Extinction Rebellion being top of mind in London recently. Um, but I think that the takeaway for me, uh, for me with this is that it's not tokenistic. It's not kind of saying, okay, we're going to reduce waste in our factories by 25% by 2025. It's actually completely um, restructuring a business model and, and actually taking a leading role, um, which you would expect Adidas to do, being one of the, the market leaders, but taking a leading role in, in sport apparel, in running, in actually making a difference. And I think that um, across retail more generally, it's made huge waves. Um, coverage was uh, really impressive, um, got in the likes of Wired, Fast Company, Evening Standard, Business Insider. So stretching across those consumer and, and, and corporate uh, or more business focused titles. Um, so, yeah, really liked it um, and uh, keen to get your thoughts. Yeah, this is cool, isn't it? I mean, you just look at the first three names off the list of kind of coverage, Wired, Fast Company, Esquire. And they're like they're three cool titles, yeah, aren't yeah. they? Like, it is cool. Like you, you don't you don't ring them unless you're like what I've got is quite good. They're not, you know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I'm yeah. probably gonna I'm gonna give the guys at wider miss because because <laughs> you know I'm I'm selling in something rubbish. So that kind of speaks for itself, as you said. Mm. Um, I remember reading about this, and again, I was just like, this is great. It was mm. really interesting. So, you know, read the whole thing, wants to know how it worked. As you said, you know, there were some really great images as well. As just this is such a silly little PR thing, but like having good images with this kind of story is so important. Yeah. And like, I remember they were really well shot. Um and this one does a bit of running myself, I was like, Oh, I like desperately want to own these. Um yeah, and I, I agree with what you said from the corporate point of view. It it doesn't feel tokenistic. It feels like a genuine pledge to try and change stuff. And I have a feeling everyone over at Nike probably would have been kicking themselves yes. a bit when they saw this. God, well done to the lad who figured out how to do this, by the way. Yeah. Massive result. If I was the PR Adidas and I got that email being like, by the way, we've got something big coming, we figured out how to completely recycle our shoes. Yes, yeah. what a goal that <laughs> is. <laughs> That's going to tick that whole yeah environmentally friendly box. We're going to take some really classy photos of this. I'm sure they knew that was going to fly from the word go. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because um... that's a genuine technological advancement, but um, as a P- yeah, it, it works as a as an idea as well. This is the first time I've ever heard the word circularity, by the way. Oh, Do you think yeah. that's going to become a, a thing that everything has to be? I think so. I think it's definitely the way, yeah. Particularly, in, it's such a big thing. Um, fast fashion, retail, it's such a huge issue. Um, and, and to be fair to other brands, I mean, you look at um, H&M and uh, Primark ASOS, the, those kind of guys who may not have the best history in, in, this, in this field, but they're doing things. Um, I think Adidas are in that privileged position where they can genuinely kind of, oh, let's entirely rethink the way we make a trainer. Um, and they're obviously, they're, they produce the things. Um, but to, I think to, back to Robbie's point about, you know, the, the, the calibre of title that this got into, um, I think working across corporate campaigns, you hear about sustainability and you hear recycling and you hear that kind of thing every day. And most of the time when you pick up the phone to a journalist, it's kind of like, okay, yeah, brilliant. You're, pre- you're pledging to do this, but they don't, you don't have anything to show for it. And, and I think having this proof point and having this really um, amazing product at the end of the day as well, it's cool. It's like, it's, it's something you'd want to own. It's not just, um, it's not just a recycling campaign. Um, I think that kind of demonstrates um, kind of 
purpose communications at its very best. Um, I, I was I was really impressed by it. I mean, I read in I read in Wired that the three hundred million pairs of running shoes in the UK alone are thrown away every year. So if um, Adidas can make even a dent in that in that figure, then it's 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 genuinely going to make a change. But beyond that, and the, for the creativity side, that they, they produced a couple of videos, which we were talking about before. They did a they did a long documentary, which um, it, it's quite cool. It kind of travels around the world, um, shooting kind of different people who have been involved in the project, demonstrating, I think, the scale of it, but also admitting, you know, they they haven't solved it. It's not the answer, but, you know, and, and it's filmed in that kind of beta style, um, mm. you know, work in progress. This is what we're doing, you know, shots of the factories and, and interviews with people around the world. And I, I, I quite like that authenticity as well of, of Adidas kind of saying we're giving it a go um, and, and I quite like that from from a big brand yeah so it's cool yeah I think the, the the one thing I think which remains to me and we discussed this was I couldn't remember I can't remember what the price was yeah I remember thinking I, I could I remember thinking that seems quite expensive but obviously you'd think with a couple of years of R&D mm. they might bring that down but I could see why cynical people might say, "Well, this is fine if you can afford to spend 110 pounds on it's a, a pair of running shoes." Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people actually who don't, and yes, yeah. you know, who can, who are, you know, if you can get a pair of recycled running shoes for 30 quid, yeah, then maybe we can start to make a to make a difference. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The kind of the kind of cynic in me, but yeah, I and I do get what you mean. It's it was a really cool original story, and it seemed like I think you know, even when you have a great story. You still need to get everything else right in terms of the way that you communicate it and the way that you put it out. Mm. You know, you so often we see, you know, I see stuff and I think, oh, that's great, what a great story, and it and it's not everywhere. And I think, oh, how has that not? Yeah. How has that not been picked up more widely? And I suppose this is an example of, of doing everything properly. Presentation, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's really important. And yeah, on that point, I think the price point. Yeah, I, th- I think it, that that's often an issue with these. Um, aspirational um campaigns around sustainability it's like we've made this amazing thing and it's it's great for the environment but the price point is at such a level that how much of a how much of an impact how much of a dent is that going to make and that's definitely something to look out for but yeah in terms of a creative campaign i think they kind of hit the nail on the head didn't they and and kind of the the coverage and everything that's come from it is is it kind of demonstrates that so yeah yeah and you i guess you would actually thinking about it you'd have to weigh up when do i go out with this when do i tell the world that mm. we reckon we could do this because you might be trying to make cost savings you might be trying to wait until you can get it to a point where the product is ready for a, a moment that you could get it a cheap enough for the average person yeah. to get it but this feels like the right time to be announcing this kind of news as well so maybe um they've gone now because it's the right time yeah absolutely there was a guy on there saying that the idea first occurred to him in 1994 something crazy like but the technology's taken that long and this is i think this as you say is the time that they've realized actually yeah we can do this like this is something we can actually do and i think a big part of it was making a shoe that performed in the same in the same way as a running shoe would so would a runner buy this because is it is the quality good enough but um yeah i like that and that's another thing i liked it showed the process and what they've had to do to get there um and it, and it, it isn't it isn't simple um you know circularity new word um <laughs> is, is 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 a difficult thing particularly in this industry so nice to see such a big brand making m- making a statement and taking a step into that into that world cool so now on to aob any other business uh the first one i'm going to kick off with a it's a quick bit of, of best practice 
from the, for those who work in the in the comms world. Um, last Friday, uh, I was on BBC News website and I saw an article that was uh, relevant to one of my clients. And like any good uh, PR consultant, I uh, I took it, put it into a nice little email, and sent it over to the client to say, I don't know if you've seen this. You know, interesting. You know, it's kind of interesting for an upcoming campaign we've got. You know, this these are our thoughts on it. Let us know what you think. I get an email back a short while after. <laughs> Hello, James. Um, I don't think you sent us the right article. I was like, oh, Lord. What have I sent them? I meant to send them something about electric vehicles. I then open up the link, and what do I see? But the BBC News with a large headline saying, 75-year-old man in Florida killed by pet flightless bird. <laughs> so, the moral of the story there is always double-check the links that you're sending. <laughs> Because uh, safe to say uh, to my client, that was not the article I meant no. to send you. Uh, as much as I would love to do a campaign about, you know, maybe there should be an awareness yeah. thing about flightless birds. Yeah, yeah. should have bluffed your way out. The yeah, hazards. these the could be a real threat to vehicles. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing was, is it was an article from like three weeks ago on BBC News, so it must have looked like I was diving through the through the <laughs> the archive of BBC News. <laughs> looking for any bird related news so yeah always make sure you're checking the links there just clicking refresh yeah <laughs> flightless bird death uh, um our second piece was this was really good this was great so well the initial story isn't great but the response is good so there was um a girl on twitter who tweeted i believe the caption was men are trash and it was a, a, a really horrible exchange she'd been on tinder uh, and then one of her photos was of her wearing a dress and some knob, I can't remember the guy's name, it was on the Twitter, basically messaged her, gone out of his way to message her and basically tell her that he thought the folk, the, the dress was really shit and that she looked like she bought it in a charity shop, etc. It was a really horrible thing to do. Mm. So she, she put it on Twitter, men are trash, kind of showed the photo of the dress um, and then the message, and it, it kind of went viral, loads of retweets and, and, you know, and likes, people were kind of replying with their support. And then, um, so the dress was from ASOS, and then a couple of days later, ASOS, under their own steam, have basically taken the, the photo of her in the dress, uploaded it to the site of that dress on sale, so that one of the model photos of the dress was her wearing the dress. I mm. thought it was brilliant. Like, it, what, what it's, a... out, it's outstanding. It's like, it should be, it should be in the guidebook for respond, reactive, uh, kind of new, uh, reactive PR. Yeah, it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, it was picked up everywhere, mm. like, free press yeah, galore 100%. and then obviously the girl responded on twitter and was like this is so nice it was it was just amazing it was really really yeah, good it was excellent i and i really hope that that guy feels like a moron i think i hope he yeah. feels like a complete idiot seeing all that seeing all that coverage appear yeah but it's 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 excellent and it kind of and it's again a, a very kind of relevant issue isn't it like online kind of you know online trolling and you know dating apps that kind of thing and the way that women are treated i think it's just a great way for a great way to for asos to kind of connect with its with its consumers 100%. Yeah, loved it also if you're working on that campaign it must have been like she replied yeah. <laughs> she's gonna do it yeah. it must have just been like such a feel-good thing of like yes we're gonna make this happen where her day is made she's been brave but actually i reckon she's loving this now like you mm. say yeah perfect all-round good scenario yeah I wonder how well it sells after this. The dress. Yeah. Great question. Do you think? Do you think it'll be like when Diane Abbott was photographed on the overground with oh. her? Was it? What was it? What she, the, was it a mojito? Of, yeah. And it was all yeah. sold out. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. press you can't. You can't. <laughs> the pay Diane for. Abbott effect. Yeah. yeah. So good. Could be the same. Yeah. Um, next up, well, we were saying if there is one surefire way 
to get a load, a load of coverage and chatter about your announcement, you need to annoy Piers Morgan. And of course, M&S announcing that all their Percy pigs are going to be uh, free of gelatin, so vegetarian friendly. He got very upset about it. Cute, it goes absolutely everywhere. Mm. Um, again, I just think they could have easily just changed the recipe and kind of done it quite on on the quiet, and they kind of took it and they owned it. Because they actually had vegan ones before, the green ears, and yeah, I actually did, yeah. really like them. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. See, this just completely depends on how much of a Percy Pig fish you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, there are people in my office who are, who are furious about this, and they want mm. the old ones back. So they say they taste different. <laughs> yeah. But getting rid of gelatin, I do think it was something that had been happening in sweets before anyway, so they're doing a yeah. great job of like calling them vegan instead of like, gelatin-free and then getting Piers Morgan to be annoyed about it. Um, but yeah, annoy, like rouse the beast and, yeah. and you will get coverage. Exactly. And it was nice because I saw there were loads of tweets. Like, I mean, I'm so, I, I, would, I do eat, I'm not saying I eat a lot of Percy pigs, but I feel like I've, I've eaten them enough to know the difference. Yeah. And it's more of a texture than a taste thing. Mm. The um, As you can imagine, the vegan ones are slightly firmer to chew. They're not as kind of squishy due sure. to the lack of gelatin, but still incredibly pleasant to eat. Yeah. Some, um, some of the tweets and letters from, from Percy pig fans were extraordinary. Like how impassioned they are. But that again, eat, you know, on top of the Piers Morgan, that is just great. That is just great PR, isn't it? I mean, everybody loves to read about these ridiculous uh, complaint letters. So it's just, yeah, as you say, they could have just done it quietly, not 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 worried. But um, yeah, yeah, clever. And I was just seeing funny tweets. Like someone was like, "Oh my god, I've only just realised that you can only get Percy pigs in M and S," and people being like, "Even." <laughs> <laughs> just the whole thing is great. Yeah, uh, and then the final piece of AOB. It's just a quick note to all the other PRs out there who had uh, sell-ins lined up for today. Uh, their big campaigns ready to go. I need to check their news apps yesterday to see the news that every comms person has been dreading for the past two weeks that the Royal Baby is on its way. <laughs> yeah. I am actually in this camp. I wish I could read out some of the emails that were firing around <laughs> like, <laughs> about what we wish had happened. <laughs> But sadly, there is a royal baby coming and our yeah. campaign is scuppered. Uh, well, we were saying, we think apparently there might be photos due tomorrow. So if you're expecting any coverage now, maybe Hide. just yeah, <laughs> send your client an email and temper the expectations, yeah. I think. Absolutely. I also saw a revision-powered vending machine by Pot Noodle, which I thought was really good. Um, basically, there's a vending machine. Uh, it's in university libraries, and in, you can like answer exam board like certified questions. And if you get them right, you're given free food. But also, one of the pots has a golden ticket um, that can get you like a year's worth of tuition fees paid for, which is. We were saying I cannot remember the last time I had a pot noodle, but yeah. it's definitely students who are eating them. So going straight to source is a really smart thing to do. I think it's WComs who have done it. Um, haven't seen a lot of coverage yet, but um, I think it's a really smart campaign. For sure. Yeah, I think um, coverage aside, it's just a great kind of way to engage with who are... I mean, students arguably are going to be one of their main target audiences, I would say. I, I, I don't, As you say, I don't think I've... Oh, eat the pot noodle since I since I had a salary, so um, I think you kind of regardless of coverage, it's just a really cool way to to get in front of your get in front of your target audience and, and engage with them where they're going to be a lot of the time. Yeah, really like it. Would like to go and do it. <laughs> have a noodle test my knowledge. I love everything <laughs> oh, about God, it. Yeah, I want to get. Should we go? Yeah. <laughs> 
actually it could end up having loads of social coverage for exactly that reason and it, that would self-perpetuate amongst the university campuses and then people get pot noodles and blah blah blah, blah. it's one of those things it, when you're at uni you and you're in those kind of it was facebook when we were around but i imagine it's changed changed a little bit but you know those kind of campus spotted on campus yes it would be that it would be you know there's a bloody pot noodle machine in our library get down there <laughs> Get some free noodles. Actually, yeah, what are people going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, students, yeah, students don't have enough money to buy the Times or whatever, so why would you get it in there? That makes yeah, sense. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, yeah. And actually, to be fair, when we were looking for coverage, it was like the tab had done it. Yeah. Um, like, a lo- like a load of student outlets had done it, so why the hell not? If, if that's University what you're aiming outlets, for, then yeah. do it. And social, as you say, it's, it would be, I think it'd be big on social. So, yeah, impressed. Cool. Well, I think uh, that's all for today. Some really good stuff. Shaps, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, you've been a superb guest. Cheers, no, thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it. <laughs>